This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome or welcome back to Solidarity on the Bench, a podcast for 20-somethings by a 20-something. I'm your host, Katie Yu, and on this podcast, we talk about everything and anything with a focus on mental health and personal well-being. New episodes every Tuesday at 11 a.m. PST. I am joined today with Jenny, aka at Jenny.mini on Instagram and TikTok. And Jenny and I have actually known each other for quite a while. We met up in person in LA, like really randomly that one time. Um, for dinner. So this is a really exciting moment for me to just see Jenny's face again and kind of chat with her. But Jenny, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) So for the people who don't know you, could you give me a brief overview of who you are and what you do in the online space? Yes. So as you mentioned, my name is Jenny Minnie. I um, am 23 years old, recently graduated college, which I studied and graduated with a degree in architecture and graphic design. So that's definitely a future goal of mine is to pursue that and kind of find a career path or self-career path along using my design skills and stuff like that. Um, But for now, I'm a retail store manager in New York City. (laughs) And um, yeah, I recently moved to the city at the beginning of December. So, that is a little bit about me, a little background. And how did I get into this space? I would say, I don't even know how many years ago, a couple years ago now, I started posting about my mental health journey and my struggles with an eating disorder in the past and kind of my whole recovery journey. So that's been the bulk of my content on Instagram and how I've kind of entered this space. I have met so many amazing, wonderful people, including yourself through this space and um, just kind of the genuine connections and genuine support that's built on Instagram primarily and now kind of trickling over into TikTok and YouTube or my next projects. Um, But yeah, there's just such a positive space here, although I know like social media can be so toxic and I've definitely seen my fair share and experienced my fair share of the toxicity of it. it's been so great to meet such amazing people and make great connections all around the world, which is really cool as well. I honestly love Instagram for that. Um, mm-hmm. One of the questions that I'm asking all of my guests is, when was the last time you asked for help? Hmm. Um, I feel like I have gotten a lot better about asking for help. I used to be definitely in high school, someone who never asked for help. I wanted to manage everything by myself. I didn't want to look like weak in front of people, which was all just my own warped mindset of asking for help equals being weak, which it doesn't at all. Um, But I just wanted to feel self-sufficient and I could take care of myself. Um, So, but I've actually recently learned 
the power and the strength in asking for help and being vulnerable in front of other people doesn't show signs of weakness. If anything, it shows more strength because you're honoring how you're feeling and reaching out to those around you for support and help, um, which, you know, I would never judge or think any differently of my friends if they did the same thing to me. So why was I judging myself so hard? I kind of remind myself like that. Um, but I guess one way I've asked for help recently, like physically, I needed help moving into my apartment in New York City, which at first I was like, no, it's fine. Like, I'll just bring a couple bags myself. I got this. Um, and then I realized I couldn't carry it all by myself. And I was very overwhelmed physically and mentally. So my wonderful boyfriend came down and helped me as well. He brought some bags just to kind of, you know, like physically take off a load off, but mentally also take a load off. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that was one thing. And then, and I did have brief moments of uh, like, you're supposed to be like independent. This is your big independent move. Like, why did you need that help? But I don't know. I just quickly shut that mindset down because I didn't diminish my moving to New York experience by having someone help me just because I didn't do it exactly all by myself and I needed some help that doesn't devalue the experience at all. 100%. And I love asking this question as well, because what I'm trying to do is like normalize asking for help. And I kind yeah. of came up with this question when I myself needed help after a really long period of pretending like I could do it all. And realizing that the people around me also were asking and receiving help, like, without shame and without that stigma that I was placing on it was super helpful. So thank you, Jenny, for sharing. But I want to talk a little bit about your move to New York City because you just mentioned like you just moved in December. It's a big chapter and a big move in your life. So how has it been the first few weeks? It's been good. Um, overall, really good, honestly. Um, definitely there's been moments of transition for sure and trying to find my routine and feel settled. But I think what's different about this move um, and kind of my transition to this next part of my life than like other big transitions in my past is I have been, I've been really focusing on not putting like expectations on it. And in the past, I kind of would put expectations. I would imagine myself having this certain routine, living this certain life, but I've really gone in with reiterating the mindset of like, I'm just going to see how it goes, see how I feel, um, which is, of course, really uncomfortable, especially with someone with anxiety. I want to know what's going to happen at all times and how it's going to pan out and how the plan is going to go. But that's just not how life works. And I think leaning into that has been way more successful than trying to push up um, against it. So the move's been good. I didn't know, like, what my apartment was going to be like um and I didn't know the people I was going to work with I didn't like all of that has been so new and it's been really positive honestly the people I work with are great I've been able to make some good friends um the space I'm starting to feel more comfortable and at home in and um I just love being in the city honestly it's kind of really energizes me and fills my cup and just, I don't know, just being here makes me so happy. So it's it's been something I've been wanting to do for a long, long time. And I think that doing the move took longer than um, that I thought it would, because I think I was a bit afraid and 
of course it was uncomfortable to leave Boston, which I grew up in Massachusetts as well. So like I'd literally been there for 23 years in that state. So of course that felt comfortable and I kind of caught myself in moments like gaslighting myself into thinking that I didn't want to move here and that I really was happy in Boston, which I was like, I really was enjoying it, but I think I just needed to kind of give myself that extra little push to make me realize like how good of a change um, moving here would be. And it has been good so far. So, yeah. That is so lovely to hear. I love um, kind of living vicariously through you in New York, like on your <laughs> stories and on your TikToks, which I've recently downloaded. So I love, you know, like a weekend in my life and you have all of these cute places where you're trying um, like coffee shops and trying new restaurants. And so something I wrote down was like, I really adore how your content is giving out like this warmth and this romantic romanticization of life recently. And I know that could be also, you know, you're moving to a city, everything is like shiny and new, but I think it also carries through your personality. Um, and kind of with your posting about connecting with your inner child, I know there was that one on TikTok um, where you where you talked a lot more about connecting with your inner child. And so for the people who don't know, could you maybe talk about what that means to heal and connect with your inner child? Yeah, for sure. Um, this is also something I feel like I've been thinking about, honestly, in the past six months more than anything. Um, it has always been something that I don't really realize I need until I'm experiencing it or I'm or I'm starting to heal it. Um, and that's something I'm working on. I'm trying to kind of catch it and or trying to, I don't know, catch it is the right word, but like preempt those activities or moments where they do heal that inner child in myself because um I think a lot of the things that I do to heal my inner child I've, I've kind of removed from or stepped further away from um now I'm forgetting the question would you mind repeating it yes of <laughs> course um so what does it mean to heal and connect with your inner child okay for me It means really connecting with who I am at my core. And I guess in the surface level sense, connecting with younger Jenny and things she enjoyed and ways she viewed life um, growing up, you know, every human sees real life for what it is and sees the struggles and the challenges, experiences lots of struggle and challenges as well. And um, whether that's through mental health issues or family issues or anything, like everyone deals with struggles at different varying, varying levels. And that's just part of growing up. And so I feel like it's so easy to forget how you viewed life as like a five, six year old, because so many things happen in your life that you just kind of have to face and, and you know, jump over those hurdles and everything. So for me, it means really tapping back into the way she viewed the world. And I guess not in the sense of that nothing's wrong in the world because you can't just ignore what you've learned as an adult, but having that optimism and that hopefulness and that light and that excitement about life that you do as a five, six-year-old, um, just finding that again as a 23-year-old, that is what it means to me. I think also something that I was thinking about as you were talking, going back to what you're saying about your move to New York is like, 
being and connecting with your inner child also means not setting expectations on yourself when you try something new and that's mm -hmm. been a big thing for me to like connect and heal with my inner child is like doing things and knowing that I'm going to be bad at them but I read somewhere you know that like as we grow into adults we are so afraid to try new things especially creatively because we've been taught from a young age you know if you're not the best at it then maybe it's not the best to pursue it and I have seen a shift in our generation of connecting with our inner child through the arts and through letting yourself kind of be bad at doing art and so besides maybe art is there any activities that you find to be helpful in this journey of connection um I think for me one one big thing is art actually um other than like kind of the creation and content creation side and like through social media, like, you know, painting, drawing, um, sketching, all that kind of stuff. Like when I was younger, like those were the things that really I could just spend hours doing and I would just forget the times passing and genuinely enjoyed and like was feeling so fulfilled in those moments. And I feel like growing up and just with you know, the age of the world and the technology we have, I feel like I've lost a lot of connection through drawing with my hands and um, feeling creative with my hands. And so in moments where I can like do pottery again or paint with acrylic paints or sketch in a notebook, or I don't even know, little things like that. Like those were always the happiest moments. Like in my elementary school and middle school, I loved art class. Um, so moments like that, I really connect with my inner child. And I feel that feeling again of not recognizing that time's passing, not worrying about anything else, not feeling stressed or anxious about day-to-day -day things, or you know, if I'm struggling with food or body that day, like those types of things really just like put just put those things out of my head. Um, and I'm like, wow, like this is this is how I don't know it just feels so good mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. yeah I'm trying to think of other things I guess outside of art um, I know for me like I love since I just moved to a city I love kind of walking through the parks because being in a city hustle bustle like everything's kind of a concrete jungle almost yeah. um but London has some really lovely parks and especially this is my first kind of like autumn winter actual season because I you know have lived in California for eight years and then Hong Kong before that we didn't really have like leaves changing colors and things like that and so when people take me to the parks um, especially around this season they're like it's kind of like taking a dog to the park because I'm just so happy to be there and I'm I'm so excited and I think that that is a big part of kind of bringing in and connecting with your inner child and like bring that childlike joy like yes maybe sometimes that positivity feels a little bit forced it feels like I'm I'm playing up or acting up to feel some sort of way but at the end of the day like I'm having a lot of fun and the grouch over there who's like judging me is probably not having as much fun and whether or not I'm forcing that fun like I'm still feeling all of those feelings and that has been like a big thing is just like looking at the leaves playing in the leaves walking in the parks like gasping at all the dogs in little sweaters and just kind of honoring like whatever my inner child and my childlike joy would let me do in that moment mm -hmm. how do you feel like in those moments like what kind of tells you that oh I'm really healing my inner child right now I mean I think it's like 
you kind of drop the judgment of what other people will think about what you're doing and you just do what you want to do and you and you don't judge yourself either I think that's the big piece of it too is like there is the external judgment but the the bigger thing is the internal judgment and the pressure we put on ourselves to kind of show up in the world in some certain sort of way and so when I'm doing that I've realized you know the external judgment piece that the people around me and the people who go with me to the parks like don't actually care that I'm being like a little bit stupid and silly and for me that helps me calm my inner nerves and be like no like I actually can kind of connect with my inner child and inner joy in that way yeah I love that yeah I feel like that really is such a key component is just like the release of the internal judgment I feel like that's something that most adults develop and you and you, you kind of build that self-critic and in a way it's very positive in certain moments because it helps you stay motivated it helps you keep moving forward but it really can be so detrimental if it gets too far the other way and um you know being able to find things that balance it out and make you realize that it doesn't need to be so harsh all the time you know is is so good yeah, 100%. So I have a couple of community questions actually on this topic that I do want to touch on. Um, and maybe going back to the art piece, this might be a, a good framework for it. But someone said, how do I do things for fun without attaching goals to it? First of all, I'll say I relate to this. I've definitely struggled with trying to just do things to do things without having some sort of end goal or um yeah a big bigger task in mind in the future but I think ways that I have tried to just do things without an end goal is to force myself to release that end goal and just not make it and, and not think about it as a, a, a task or a list of tasks to reach an end destination but just really focus on, okay, this is something I enjoy. I don't know how it's going to go, but I'm just going to try my best to enjoy the process. And that's been something I've been trying to do with just general day-to-day -day life things. Like everything doesn't need to be done perfectly in the way that my brain kind of pictures it. Um, for example, this move, like I could have put so many expectations. I could have imagined and manifested and envisioned which I did to an extent but I knew that I couldn't get super super specific because I couldn't treat this as just like an end goal and a, a box to check off my checklist this is an experience this is a human experience so I need to like understand and enjoy maybe not enjoy parts of the process but learn from those moments as well I think what I was hearing as well is like this ability to kind of be present in whatever you're doing and mm. while, yeah like take off the expectations of the end goal and also the end goal should be to have fun in the process and I yeah. think as children like we we get taught that like we need an end goal and we get like grades in school and all of that but at the very beginning like if I'm thinking back to my childhood experience like in school before I could even talk, you know, before I could count, before I knew what math was, we were just able to kind of play and be children, like with other children without a goal of needing to do 
this or that. Like I would just be able to play Barbies or like build a house. And the goal of building the house was not to build the prettiest house or, you know, to to make it the tallest, to make it the biggest. It was just to build the house. And so definitely like going off of what you're saying is is also being mindful of being present um, in whatever you're doing. Yeah, that is so important. What are some ways that you kind of help yourself feel present? I know I'm the guest, but I have questions. For no, you too. no, please. <laughs> um, That's a great question. And the honest answer is I feel like I don't have one. Being present is something that I think I'm working on a lot right now because I feel like a lot of things don't stick in my like short-term, long-term memory. I have been learning how to sit and be present and something that I have been taught actually and I was thinking about it the other day was one of my friends taught me like this exercise where he was like okay like open your eyes and try to memorize um, everything in front of you for the next 60 seconds and it feels like really long and you're like okay I can definitely memorize it all and then he's like okay close your eyes and recite it back to me and be as specific as possible like colors um, like shapes the way things smell the way things feel maybe um, the sounds that you're hearing and then he's like okay open your eyes another 60 seconds and you're going to add to that mental picture and we did that maybe two or three times and I thought it was really silly the entire time because I was like obviously I can just like remember what's going on um, and the scene that we were doing this wasn't even some sort of like profound gorgeous thing that that we were seeing it was just like the act of being there and actually trying to kind of memorize your surroundings and so obviously it's it's a more time consuming task and it's also a lot more fun when you're doing it with someone else but I think that that's like really important is to stop in the moment and think about the moment and how you're going to remember it yeah no that's so important I feel like I've related to some of those moments just since moving to New York, I've tried to pick up meditation, um, which is something so many people have suggested I try, you know, someone that diagnosed with anxiety, like it, it can help so much. But I think I've also just not taken it seriously and felt silly doing it. Like what, mm -hmm. just sitting in my bed with my eyes closed for 10 minutes, like alone and trying not to think about anything. But, you know, once I got over that and I'm like, okay, no, like I just want to give it a shot it's so much harder than I thought. And, mm -hmm. you know, really just to be present, I would catch myself thinking about what I need to do at work later that day, or my plans for tomorrow, my plans for next week, and, or stressing over worrying about certain things that happened in the past, or worrying about things that are coming up. And just the actual, like, practice of trying to notice those thoughts, but not let them kind of sway how you're feeling. Um, and really practicing to stay present and just focusing on the breath or focusing, you know, on your, your feet on the ground, the sensations you're feeling like that's, it's hard, but it's so important. Yeah, I, oh my God, I have so many questions about meditation. Like, did you kind of start <laughs> it when you moved to New York? I, I don't, like, yes, and I'm saying it now, I haven't done it today or yesterday but you know that's fine routines don't have to be so strict and again it's not an end goal that I'm trying to check off on my checklist I'm just learning to enjoy the process but I've been doing it a lot more frequently than I have been ever in my life um, and I've done it here and there and I did take a mindfulness class in what middle school actually 
And I remember how impactful it was. So many people were laughing and making fun of it and like, like giggling with each other when we we're supposed to be like laying on the ground silently. But I remember I took it so seriously. And I was like, the one who was like, Shh, like, be quiet. Like, <laughs> and because um, it felt so, so funny, good. so shocked, because, you know, my brain was and still is racing at 100 miles a minute all the time with thoughts here and there worries here and there. And for that hour a day during my eighth grade, I could just be at peace and I was like what the heck what like why does this feel so good I loved it and then high school happened and I really struggled to keep it up my schedule was just crazy um and then college I feel like life just got so busy and so fast and then COVID kind of hit my mental health went down I tried meditating again but really just needed to like focus on myself I don't really know why this is turning into a whole timeline story sorry but <laughs> no keep going um but I don't know it just feels right now again to pick it up and I feel like I'm in a space where I can really truly appreciate it because I'm not actively like I'm still working on my mental health and recovering from my eating disorder but I feel so much more recovered in so many ways that I can now like have the mental space to focus on other things. And I really want to give meditation a shot and try to feel that way again, that I did in eighth grade in that class. So yeah, I'm just trying it out and it's definitely harder some days and easier some days. And it's been interesting to notice certain patterns that have come up um, and able to kind of set myself up for certain days or how I'm feeling at work like if I notice in the morning my meditation was really hard or my thoughts were really racing I kind of was like okay maybe I need to like be a little kinder with myself today and not push myself too hard at work or you know if it was really easy and I'm feeling kind of super at ease with things not too many thoughts I'm like okay great like let's you know add a little extra whatever feels good I don't know yeah I'm kind of using it like that I mean, what I was kind of hearing is also like meditation seems to be connecting you to that eighth grade Jenny who was like, I kind of love this. And, you know, your child has no set time. I think like an eighth grade version of you definitely can count as your inner child. And so not only is it really fun to see like it's helping you learn how to be present and manage your thoughts, but also like this is something that you wanted to do, love to do when you were younger. and, And now you're honoring that, which is really cool as well. Yeah. Wow. I tapped, I tapped into our topic today without even realizing. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. So one of the community questions is, I don't know. Okay. I don't have an answer to this. So I kind of want to open it up as a discussion and being like, we are not experts. We are just kind of giving our opinions on, mm-hmm. on this topic, but they wrote in like, I'm dealing with guilt for not remembering what I was like as a child. And I feel like I don't know the real me. What does connecting with my inner child look like in this situation? Yeah, this is a tough one for sure. And I feel like I definitely relate to moments. I think I'm currently also in the thick of it, of trying to figure out who I am um, and who Jenny is outside of anxiety, eating disorder, like all that kind of stuff. And just like who I am at my core. And so I think don't beat yourself up. One, that you don't know who you are. 
it's a journey and it takes time and in order for that in order for it to come back to you and for you to feel reconnected one don't put expectations on it because some moments I'm even surprised by myself I'm like oh like I actually enjoy this like the meditation thing I was kind of surprised that like it did still feel so good and then that reminded me like oh yeah I love this in eighth grade like I've I have always really enjoyed this I've just not made time for it I just haven't you know been been having the mental space to be able to do it so I guess yeah don't put expectations on it because you may surprise yourself or or find something that you wouldn't expect to be healing um to be healing for yourself and um also have patience with yourself and grace and compassion for yourself because this is something that takes time and it's not a quick fix overnight you can't just like write a list of tasks and complete them all and then you're like okay great I know myself like that's not how it works <laughs> so um yeah those would be my piece of advice what would you say if you don't know who your inner child is there's still a lot of merit in connecting with childlike joy period um mm -hmm. so kind of what we're talking about like using art maybe using walks um allowing yourself to kind of like play sure. <laughs> whether that's like on the playground or with your friends like I don't know start a game of tag and the girls who get it get it and um just like maybe yeah like maybe little little moments of play and joy um and introducing that back into your life and and slowly learning who you are and who your inner child is um as opposed to trying to force it and trying a bunch of things and getting frustrated that like that isn't working out for you but yeah definitely lean into the art the creative side I think that's something that I've noticed a lot of people kind of put down as an adult is that creativity because they want to be the best everything as I was saying before um and so that kind of turns into like paralysis and also you, you don't want to be seen trying you don't want to be seen failing but finger paint you know acrylic paint like what you're saying pottery classes are really big kind of like in the adult world right now um and then yeah just like however you would expect a child to play do that and then also try to release that judgment from yourself to look a certain way to be a certain way um because a big a big piece of that is just like letting yourself be in whatever state that is and I think it that's kind of a common theme when it comes to like mental health and recovery is just like accepting what you're like in this moment but with connecting with your inner child specifically it's more on the piece of childlike joy right I love that and one other thing that came up for me is putting the technology away I feel like our generation has become so dependent and consumed by social media and whether you're on social media or not even just like using your laptop and using your phone um I feel like the moments I'm able to most clearly um work to find the connections to my inner child is away from technology because I know I didn't grow up with like I mean there's iPad kids nowadays but I was not an iPad kid my generation was not you know we didn't have iPhones and all that kind of stuff I had my little iPod shuffle when I was in like fifth grade that I would like loved but there was no screen attached to that it was purely just music and I feel like that has allowed me to you know have that childhood without technology and so now I have an adulthood 
very much influenced by technology, but I'm able to reference that time and put down the phone, put down the laptop and really just connect with the earth and the people around me. Um, and that helps me really connect to my inner child. Yeah. And I was kind of thinking when you were talking, I took a class called social media in college. That's the most liberal arts sentence I'm going to say. Um, but we kind of talked about how this thought of like, you can take a picture um, is kind of ruining our, whatever I was saying, like short-term, long-term memory. So, you know, my fault that my memory sucks. Okay. Like I, I take pictures of everything, but there is something to be said about, yeah, it's like, there's something to be said though, about like, being present and like remembering the moment without needing to take that picture because there's so much that that picture doesn't convey. I mean, obviously you can look at a picture and remember, you know, the the smell, the sounds, the whatever was outside of the camera, but there is like, we need to use our memories a little bit more. And so putting the technology away, not only to connect with your inner child, but also to learn how to be present and to learn how to remember the moments that you actually want to remember is is a big thing in uh, media studies theory. Thank you, media studies class. <laughs> love that. No, that's a great lesson. I love that. So Jenny, I want to wrap up. Um, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was honestly, like, I, I feel like a lot of joy. I feel a lot of lightness after that conversation as well. So thank, thank you so. for kind of, for being such a good guest, for asking questions, answering the questions like you did. That was incredible. Oh, thank you so much. And you are a wonderful host. I love your podcast and love all that you share on your platforms and your media and everything. And so honored to be able to call you a real life friend as well. So thank you so much. I know the love is 100% absolutely reciprocated. Um, and I also wanted to give you this space to kind of plug whatever you want, kind of your social media handles, maybe something cool that you're doing. So the floor is yours. Oh, cool. Thank you. Um, I mean, you mentioned at the beginning, my Instagram is jenny.mini. My TikTok, I'm working on trying to become more comfortable on that platform. Um, but that's uh, just at Jenny Mini. My YouTube as well. I do kind of lifestyle vlogs, a lot of travel vlogs, um, trying to plan some more recovery content as well. That is just at Jenny Mini. And um, yeah, I do have some fun plans coming up with like planner stuff, journal stuff, potentially using Ooh. my photography skills. Um, so be on the lookout for that in the future, hopefully. Perfect. Very preliminary. <laughs> all of Jenny's links is going to be down below. So please go check her out on all of the socials that she mentioned. And again, Jenny, thank you so much for coming on. This was absolutely lovely. Oh, thank you so much. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Solidarity on the Bench with KDU. If you enjoyed this podcast or want to submit a question for future guests, you can follow the podcast Instagram at SolidarityPod or follow the host at Katie.eu. See you next Tuesday.